Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Coming up on today's show, the Alberta Party looks back at 2021 and ahead to 2022, a big year for them. Also, it's always important to donate blood, but even more so around the holidays. We'll find out why and how you can help. Speaking of the holidays, it can be a tough time for a lot of people, including anybody dealing with any kind of mental health issue. We'll get some professional help today. We're talking with Barry Morishita, the leader of the Alberta Party trying to find out exactly what we can expect to see from them heading into uh, an election that we expect, well, we know, is going to be happening in the spring of 2023. Uh, Barry, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us today. Oh, thank you, Shay, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, same to you. Um, taking a look, you're still relatively new to the role, but you've been around for a while. So when you're taking a look at the Alberta party, what have you identified as, as the goals of the party as you get started here? Well, you know, the, the goals have, have always been the same in terms of how, uh, you know, the party w- wants to be able to be government. We want to be able to run the province of Alberta because we think we have a, a better plan to do that. Um, in the interim and the mechanical parts of it, I mean, we, you know, we're organizing, we're, we've got uh, CAs to set up, we've got candidates to recruit, and uh, a lot of people interested. Um, fundraising to do, we're getting all of the work work done and uh we're going to be a force in uh, 17 months when the election comes around that's for sure and barry we'll get into the mechanics and everything first in a moment but first i want to go back to what i think for me has always been the the central question around the alberta party because I w- as i was saying earlier it seems to me that most albertans are centrists and not it's it's not possible to put all albertans into the left or the right i think most people are a little closer to the middle than that but for whatever reason the Alberta Party hasn't really made a lot of grounds in this area, although it seems to me that there's an appetite for it. Um, how big of a factor is that? Is that the overriding consideration of the Alberta Party, is how do we capitalize on what most people seem to think is available to your party in Alberta? You know, I, I think that's a good point. It's hard to, you know, make good governance and practical decision-making sexy. It's a lot easier, as we've seen in the past couple of years, for party leaders and and to gain power by using fear and distraction to make their points but the fact is the Alberta party yeah that's what we do we we we're all about pragmatic practical government it's uh it's not exciting because it's it's really basic good work and mm-hmm. that's what we're about now we do that is the message we have to get people to understand and to consider the Alberta party as something they want in uh for a government that type of decision making that type of leadership and you know we're just going to work hard and get that message across it's been there in the past Uh, i think there's a lot of possibilities the conversation keeps turning to uh you know what would we do how would we do it and our message is resonating with people um how do you do that barry how do you go about getting that message out to a broader audience because that seems to have been an issue yeah, you know, I, you know, it, it's it's hard work. First of all, Shay, you gotta you gotta get on the ground. You gotta 
be prepared to have a lot of small meetings and and convince people that um, that first of all the Alberta Party is prepared and that I'm prepared as a leader to to be able to deliver on those uh, governance questions. So that's number one. You just keep traveling this province, and we're going to be doing that for the next 17 months without stopping. Uh, and then, you know, as those uh, the momentum builds, you'll see that happening. COVID obviously gets in the way a little bit. We can't have any larger events, but everybody has to work with the same thing. So I think it's just a one-on-one hard work. And uh, uh, I think I think over time, you'll see people come on board, people that have some, uh, you know, sway in their community, our candidates certainly that have approached us to this point certainly do and i think all of that combined will will build a groundswell of support it's uh good good politics and and good campaigning isn't uh difficult difficult in the sense of understanding it what it is is difficult just a lot of work and we're prepared to do that i'm certainly prepared to do that in terms of like you say uh you know the mechanics and making sure that the party is ready to go you got well let's call it a year and a half not quite um, not a lot of time in politics to make sure that you're, because you want to start your campaign well in advance. Um, how close to election ready is the Alberta Party? How much work has to be done? Oh, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, uh, you know, and, and in 17 months a lot can happen. And so, you know, we have uh, we have all the basic things to do that everybody else does. Good, good candidates in place, make sure we have a, a good platform ready to go. Um, make sure we have money in the bank and all of those things are happening concurrently uh, in a really, uh, really good, positive way so far. Um, Barry, let's just go through some of the issues that um, have been confronting or, you know, uh, causing problems for not just Alberta politicians, but politicians around the world. First and foremost, of course, is COVID. Uh, Tripped up many a politician. Um, As you sit back and watch the way it's played out are here and uh, in other provinces and across the country and around the world. Um, how would you, as leader of the Alberta Party, try and tackle the situation we find ourselves in with COVID? Well, you know, it, it's uh, it's certainly a difficult situation, and I feel for a lot of leaders out there. Uh, I was uh, the mayor of Brooks while it was going on here. But I think the key things uh, are highlighting is, is information and transparency. You know, when Brooks, uh, Brooks had the highest uh, outbreak, per capita in all of North America, around 4,400 at its peak. One of the things that we made a decision on very early was to give people the information as quickly as we could uh, determine it and stay on top of it 24-7, and then count on people to make good decisions. Uh, I think that's one of the things that people feel a little bit that's been lacking, is uh, they don't feel they have all the information. Albertans are smart people, and they make good decisions. And I think one of the things that we could have done a lot better was to give them all the information and and allow them to make good choices as time went on. Um, no one could predict all the changes, but certainly the science that was uh, being talked about um, leading up to these waves uh, certainly was there, and I think there were some things to be gathered by that. And then lastly, I think one of the things the Alberta Party would have done a lot different than what's happening, we would have worked with every group in the legislature. Uh, this is a, a, an issue that affected every single one of us. And uh, it seems that, you know, there comes a time when we have to do what we're supposed to do, which is work for Albertans. And I, I think that's where you would have seen uh, my leadership differently and the Alberta Party approach this significantly different. I think one of the issues for leaders, uh, no matter where they are, is how... Um, 
heavy-handed they wanted to be when it came to vaccination pushes. Uh, you know, um, you take a look at the way that our province did it. Pretty light. Took a long time to come up with any sort of vaccine mandate, even though we don't call it that. Um, other provinces brought it in a lot quicker. There, you know, we've seen different mandates from the federal government in terms of uh, federally regulated industry. Where are you in terms of mandating that people be vaccinated? And would you have been quicker and stronger or laxer and looser? You know, I, I think we we would have been quicker uh, on them relative to certainly what Alberta did. I think the science was telling us that vaccination was going to dampen the effects on our hospitals, our healthcare system, and ICUs. And I think there there needed to be a stronger push for that. However, again, as I said in my first comments, if we'd have allowed Albertans all of the information, seen this actually got to show them the modeling that Alberta Health Services and the Public Health Office were looking at so that people could determine their a good course of action. I think people would have been more prepared uh, to deal with that and to make those decisions on their own. When you withhold the information and people aren't sure of what the process is or what the future holds, very difficult to make decisions personally. And, and vaccines and all of those things are very personal decisions. Um, but uh, with the proper information, I have faith that Albertans would have been on board earlier and stronger had they been privy to all of that modeling that was kept from us. Of course, the, the whole discussion has been around protecting our healthcare system over and over and over. And healthcare, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years and it's, and long before me, it's been an issue and it's always a friction point whenever we're talking about politics in, you know, not just Alberta, but everywhere in this country is the healthcare system. Um, Conservative governments have had a crack at it. The NDP's had a crack at it. Now we're in a situation where a lot of people are saying, clearly, there are issues with our healthcare system. You can point to EMS and ambulances. All throughout the system, there's all kinds of pressure points and all kinds of problems. With the Alberta Party, do you have a plan to finally address the ongoing and never-ending issues around healthcare in Alberta? Yeah, you know, I, I think our, 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 our approach is significantly different. Uh, and this isn't something that hasn't been brought up before. You know, back uh, Richard Starkey was, was charged with doing a rural health care uh, study and some recommendations, made some great recommendations. I think the system needs to be decentralized to a degree. Uh, EMS and dispatch, we've, we've heard those issues where we've taken good systems where we've had good partners and we've dissolved them for the sake of control um, without a lot of evidence, I would say, that points to a better, more efficient system. I think that happens in rural areas as well. Uh, I think the, you know, kind of the one-size-fits-all approach of, of a large organization is difficult to be effective at the local level. And I think that's one of the primary differences the the Alberta Party would make, is we would be advocating for stronger local representation and local uh, involvement in those decisions. And that means you have to decentralize and, and, and let go of some control, but we have to trust people to do a good job. The other thing, too, I think that the Alberta Party would look at very seriously is the idea that, you know, if you invest some money in the preventative measures that uh, prevent people from being in emergency, prevent people from ending up in acute care, prevent people from being in long-term care, that your dollar is very well spent. And again, this isn't something that you can just stamp on the system. There are lots of... Uh, I've been around this province all over the place for the last four years, and I can tell you there are some significant 
uh, resources out there, and there are also some, some great opportunities to take advantage in local areas in order to reduce that. But if we don't decentralize to a degree, if we don't give up some control at the head office, so to speak, uh, we won't be able to enact them. The Alberta Party would do that. Um, one of the issues that we face in this province, of course, is we're heavily reliant on natural resources, oil and gas primarily, and they're going great guns right now. And I mean, I mean, we see what happens to our deficit and our bottom line. It's a big, big game changer. We also know there's increasing pressure from around the world about transitional economies and moving away from fossil fuels. How would you, as leader of the Alberta Party, navigate those two worlds, specifically um, with you know, supporting the industry while acknowledging that things are changing and the relationship that we have with Ottawa, which seems to be a lot farther down the road than people in Alberta are. So, the, you know, that, that is something that's, that's a challenge for Alberta, for sure. I like, first of all, I want to make sure that we're thanking our oil and gas industry that it's, that's here in Alberta today. I mean, I, I heard your uh, weather forecast minus 30 oh, today. Crazy. It's, it's just terrible. I think we got down to minus 40 here a couple of days ago down in Brooks and, so I want to thank them because they're doing great work keeping us safe, keeping us warm, and, and allowing us to enjoy the holiday time. But that being said, I think one of the things we need to do is we've got to look, we do have to look forward in the energy field as a whole, and we have to quit spending time debating uh, individual pipelines and such. Uh, Alberta has the talent and the technology to, to lead a transition into, uh, into another energy future. Now, that doesn't mean that oil and gas disappears, because it clearly won't. And no matter what we hear, the far kind of uh, sound, you know, you know, shut the tap off, stop tomorrow, we know that's not possible, yeah. certainly not possible where we live. So we need to quit burying ourselves in that conversation and kind of throwing red meat at it uh, in order to make ourselves look good. What we need to do is we need to take the talent and take the innovation and the entrepreneurship that exists in Alberta today and help get us to where we're leading in energy transition, the so-called transition, which is things like hydrogen, waste to energy, uh, carbon capture, um, uh, micro-generation technology. There's all kinds of things that are out there. And uh, the province uh, as a whole has to be leading that in the sense of making sure regulations suit, making sure investment can come here, um, and allowing the talent that exists here to, to lead us and take us where we need to go. But we seem to be inclined more to debate the past instead of talking about the future. And the past isn't disappearing. What our resources provide us will continue to provide for us for a long time to come. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of things there, and, and key to this whole discussion is how you approach it and the stance that you take. And you mentioned red meat and things there, and there's no doubt our Premier campaigned on fighting for Alberta. And uh, it's page one in the Alberta politician playbook is blame Ottawa, fight with Ottawa. I mean, that goes back before, you know, my time, certainly. Sounds like maybe you'd have a different approach and that let's just point fingers and yell and scream, you know, uh, across the prairies is not the approach that the Alberta Party would take? No, I mean, you know, certainly we're going to stand up for Alberta. There's no doubt about where the, uh, our, our interests are or where my interests would be as Premier. They are to make sure the province of Alberta is, is well taken care of. Its people have the opportunity to have success. That being said, we've, we've had success. We, Alberta has led this country in a number of areas over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. And if you looked at what made us successful, it was that we earned respect, and uh, we received respect. 
And when we did that and we led things in the constitutional talks, when we talked about leading the provinces to get uh, better uh, money through health care, we had premiers that gathered up uh, the consensus around the table. And let's face facts, generally speaking, we know what's if we work together, we do better. And that's what we need to get back to. You know, everyone wants to play politics with the issues of Alberta and Ottawa. Ottawa does it too. And I I don't like it any more than I like it here. The fact is, is that Alberta can be the leader and we have to show that we can. And so we need to get away from the rhetoric. We need to get down to the substance of what's going to make this province stronger, make it put it, put our people in a better position to be successful and when we do that, we will bring other provinces with us. I think there's, again, no magic formula. You gather up the people around the table that are with you, and you listen to them, you understand them, and then you get them to hear you and understand you in a respectful way. And I believe progress will be made. Barry, I appreciate your time today. Um, I wish you a happy new year, and we'll follow the progress as we get closer and closer to the next election. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Thank you. Same to you, Shay. Enjoy 2022. Thanks very much, sir. We're going to chat with Aaron DeClaire from the Canadian Blood Services. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Hi, Shay. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, when we talk about donating blood, we know that it's it's always um, something that's a good idea and something that's important. It Does it become more important around the holidays? You know, we do find it more difficult to collect around the holidays. Um, And this year, because of the timing of some stat holidays, we did lose a few opportunities to collect. um, And that means that some of our platelet inventory might be at risk. Um, you know, platelets are those those clotting factors that, that help in formation of blood clots. They're used to treat a bunch of different diseases, um, but they only have a shelf life of seven days. And so this year it is super critical that we can maintain that blood supply um, in order to collect not only blood, but also platelets. Um, what What is the current state of things for Canadian Blood Services in Alberta? Are we sort of, I, I know there are certain times where we get to a point where the call goes, you know, we're in a dire situation. How are things right now and how have they been you know, for the last little while? Well, so there are still more than 11,000 open appointments uh, to fill before January 15th across Canada. Uh, in Alberta specifically, we have about 150, um, or sorry, 1,500 open appointments during this time. Wow. And that includes about 800 in Edmonton, 300 in Red Deer, and about 400 in Calgary. And again, that's just before January 15th. Um, when we take a look at how things have gone with COVID and the different restrictions coming in and going out and all the rest. Has that affected the way you go about collecting blood? 
We we have remained largely unchanged. We do obviously have those COVID uh, safety measures in place, uh, but we have seen those donors, uh, the regular donors, but also new donors step up. Um, and we are so impressed with their dedication. Um, we've seen that through the pandemic, but we also need that conti- to continue in the weeks and months ahead. Um, so what do we, what's it like if you go to donate blood now? Are there certain things that you have to do that are different because of COVID or is the system pretty much what we're used to? That's a great question. It is It is fairly similar. Uh, the biggest change would be that appointments are now required. So in order okay. to, to donate blood, you do need to book an appointment. Uh, we can't accept any walk-ins. Um, and uh, the other changes would be once you come into the donor center, we have a wellness checkpoint. We'll provide you with a surgical mask. Um, we are maintaining uh, physical distancing and PPE. Uh, we are a fully vaccinated workplace, and that's just to order um, to uh, to have that extra layer of protection for our staff and donors. Um, but the rest of the blood donation looks looks largely unchanged. Again, it is it's mainly the appointments uh, and the masking masking that has changed. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like. Basically, stuff you're used to, depending on, you know, if you've had to go to the doctor or the dentist, we've, we've all had to jump through these hoops over the past couple of years. Or, yeah, I guess exactly. it is a couple of years now, if you can believe it. Um, Aaron, last one, just in terms of, you know, is there, it's, it's constant. We're, we're highlighting it because it's the holidays. But this is basically a, a constant call. We could do this on a monthly basis because it's that important, right? Exactly. And people always ask us, you know, why do we hear you all the time on the radio asking for blood? Why are you always putting this call out? Um, But the thing to remember is blood only has a shelf life of 42 days. um, And the majority of that is actually used in the first five days. And that's why we're always in need of those donors to fill every single available appointment. You know, it's quick, it's easy, it takes an hour out of your day to save a life. Um, and, And that's why we always put that call out is because the need for blood is constant. Aaron, thank you so much, and I hope this helps and make sure that uh, we're in a position that we want to be, and thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Kim, thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, when we talk about the holidays, and like I said, this is nothing new. We know that they can be a trying time. What is it about the holidays that you know, for some people, are, makes it very, very difficult. Well, absolutely. It can because of our expectations of what we think the holidays should be and or what they have been for us in the past. And so that mismatch between our expectations and the reality can cause us a lot of stress. Yeah, I mean, there's the pressure, right? Because you see everybody talking about, oh, I'm going to visit this person or we're having this dinner or we're doing this or we're doing that. And you're kind of sitting there going... I'm not doing all those things. So what's wrong with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and part of it too, like you mentioned earlier, is it does look different than what we've had in the past. There's a lot of grief and disappointment for people that we can't do things that even two or three years ago we were able to do. And so that really tests our patience, I think, and our um, ability to kind of uh, think outside the box and be resilient because breeds some resentment. Yeah, no doubt. And um, we all know that not every family is the idea, ideal, you know, picture yeah. postcard family, and it's going to be all love and joy and everything's going to be, there's going to be mm-hmm. conflict. There's going and you can avoid that for a lot of the year, but it seems like mm-hmm. the holidays sort of make that unavoidable, right? The expectation is everybody gets together and everybody's going to get along and have a great time. 
Yeah. And part of it too is you've added then a lot of stress with the preparations, a lot of expectations, some alcohol sometimes, some exhaustion from, you know, we've had busy couple years and, and definitely in preps for the holidays, you add all those factors in and it just heightens everything for sure. Um, is Christmas the worst part of it or is it this whole time of year, you know, over this whole week or two week period or is Christmas sort of the focus of it all? You know that I think it's so individual. I definitely think there's extra pressure at Christmas and New Year's. There's no question. Yeah. Um, but it really is individual about your own expectations. Like, do how did you plan a holiday this Christmas that you couldn't go on? Did you want to be with people that you weren't able to be with, or did you expect it to be different than it the reality is? That is really, and it's so individual for people. But that's. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, in talking to people what it is exactly that they are feeling uh, specific frustration about. Um, you know, you make an interesting point, and I've preached to my kids since they were little, manage your expectations. That's, mm. that's sort of job one, but boy, that's hard to do, Kim. I mean, mm-hmm. you're right. If you go in with expectations that, you know, it can be as simple as you're giving somebody a gift and they mm. don't respond the way that you expected them to. Well, there's yeah. no obligation on them to, to respond. I mean, it's a really tough. How, how do you help people learn to manage their expectations? Shay, it's like you're reading my mind. This actually <laughs> happened to me this Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, and I had to do, I mean, even as a psychologist, I yeah. had to do some thought work, we call it, which is paying attention to what it is I'm telling myself. Because at the end of the day, we can only control ourselves. We cannot control other people, how they behave, how they react anything. We have to really pay attention to what was my expectation there? What was that hitting for me? Why was I upset or disappointed in that? And that's really about me. That's not about them. They don't even know the rules of the game. How are they possibly going to play, right? (laughs) Yeah. And in my case, it was a six-year-old child, like, (laughs) 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 who was a little disappointed in what I got. (laughs) You know, like, uh, seriously, I, yeah. But and there could have been so many other factors in their life that we don't know about, right? So, I mean, I, the message can't be, Kim, go in with no expectations. Don't, right. you know, just, you can't just go in and say, oh, whatever happens is fine. I mean, it's reasonable right. to have some expectations, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. There's a difference between expectations and intentions, So if I go into, let's say, a family Christmas party and I say, you know what, I want to show up as an authentic, wholehearted person because I can only control me. So whatever natural reactions or actions that come up for me, I will actually express to people and I want this to be a time of joy. So I'm really going to set that intention that that is, you know, how I want to show up to this engagement, regardless of how anyone else does. And that can really help us take the pressure off of other people because it's about our own mindset and what we want to do there. It doesn't mean it's going to end up perfectly, but it just means that then we have kind of like a, a guidepost of how, you know, when we get in these tricky situations where someone's drinking too much or being too loud or being obnoxious, like, okay, well, my intention here is just to be my myself. I don't have to pretend to be someone else. And how can I make this experience, for me, the best I can? Um, 
and not to state the obvious, Kim, but this applies year-round. We're talking about the holidays, but a lot of the things that you're saying work any time of the year. Oh, you are not wrong about that. <laughs> Five chatting with uh, Kim Canella, registered psychologist and owner of Courageous Leadership about, uh, you know, the difficult time a lot of people have um, during the holidays. And it, it's real. There's no doubt about it. Al in Edmonton wants to chat about this quickly. Hi, Al, you're on the air. What, what's on your mind? Yes, good morning. Um, I lost my spouse of 50 years just recently, and I've gone through a lot of the first. Oh, no. I, I, Sarah, you know what I did? I forgot the lock. Call back. Call back, Al. I apologize. We'll, we'll get you on the air, but I was trying to bring Kim into the conversation. I know. I'm sorry, Sarah. Please call back, Al. I apologize. See, Kim, I'm technically inept. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> It happens. A couple other questions from listeners on the text line. Wendy says, great topic. I need help getting motivated especially with New Year's resolutions. I need some ideas from mm-hmm. your guests. I'm trying to organize various things in my life. How do I get motivated? Yes, excellent question. I thought this might come up. Um, you know, we think it's about willpower. We think that making change in our lives is about, you know, our our strength and our ability to, you know, have this motivation, which is so elusive sometimes and we can have it for a few hours or a few days or a few weeks even and it goes away you know what it's actually not about your uh you know your physical or an attribute of actually being motivated it is actually about a routine so the number one thing is start small you can have a list of things that you want to change but do not try and change everything at once Mm -hmm. because it's too much so start small start with one thing and put it into your routine so let's say and i think of me huge for lots of people let's we want to start moving it's great for your mental health i totally recommend it as your new year's resolution start to get moving don't expect yourself to do two-hour workouts yeah. every day right off the bat. So Start be reasonable, with, right? Let's say 15 or 20 minutes and put it into your routine. So when you get up, you put your shoes on and you do your video or whatever it is that you're doing or you go to the gym. I don't even know if you can, but whatever it is you want to do, a walk outside and do that every day so that it's just not a question. If you're If you don't schedule it, then you have an opportunity to talk yourself out of it. It's like, oh, I'll do it later. And then it got too late. Oh, I'll do it again tomorrow, right? So you actually have to put it in your routine. Interesting. Routine, yeah. Great mm-hmm. idea. Okay, we've got Al back, so uh, we hung up on oh, Al. Great. Oh, now I hung up on the... Sarah, now I hung up on Kim. Can you get Kim back? <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> Try a little Good Lord. I apologize, Sarah. Okay, Sarah will get Kim. Al, you're back. Thank you for calling back. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lock Al Right now. Okay, Al, you're locked. So when Kim calls back, I'm not going to hang up on you. But go ahead. You were saying. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, I lost my wife uh, uh, 50 years recently uh, through cancer. Oh, I'm sorry. And I've gone through a lot of the firsts, anniversaries, uh, Thanksgiving, birthday, and Christmas. But Christmas was probably the hardest. And uh, what I wanted to say was to thank people like Kim, uh, because the grief counselors and psychologists really help you to navigate through grief. And um, one of the first things that I learned is that you recognize you'll always grieve. It's yeah. not linear. It's more like a maze that you're trying to get yourself through. And you might take two steps backwards and one step forward as you're in a maze, but it's certainly not a, a straight path from A to Z. 
and I've learned that. Um, the psychologists and, and uh, grief counselors that I've talked to, and I've talked to them once a month for the last seven months, uh, have really helped me out in terms of making sure I seek out friends, uh, talk openly to family. Uh, I keep a journal. And um, for men in particular, um, the message I wanted to put out there is, you know, seek that help. Um, there's nothing wrong in no. tears either. Al, I think you spent a great message. You're, you're so right. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. It's probably the best thing we can do. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss, um, and I appreciate you calling back. Thanks, Al. Thank you so much. You bet. Okay, bye. Um, okay. Al's going to hang up. I don't know how to hang up on Al, Sarah, and not lose Kim. I'm going to lock Kim and hang up on Al. Did I do that right? I'm still here. Kim's still here. Yay! I Yay! did <laughs> Whew. Um, Yeah, that was such wise words. I really appreciate Al calling back. That's yeah, he great. seems like he's on the path that he needs mm-hmm. to be on, right? I mean, th- th- yeah. going through grief like that. We got another one here, which is um, on, on, the, on the line here, and it, it's similar. But I'm wondering if you have um, any insight for John, who says, Shay, for me, mm-hmm. the problem is remembering happier memories of past holidays Coupled yeah. with the realization that I'll never be that happy again. It's a potent combination that's difficult to overcome. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's John or Joan. I'm getting both spellings there. But, yeah, that sounds heavy. Well, and, you know, we tend to do this to ourselves, which is we tell ourselves things that may or may not be true. So we don't have a crystal ball. And even though it feels at this moment like things can never be the same, that doesn't mean that we'll never be that happy again. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's just that we can't imagine what that would look like now because it's not going to be exactly what you've had in the past. And so allowing ourselves not only that opportunity to feel the grief and feel those really difficult feelings, but then also allowing ourselves to have those moments of joy of, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not grieving if you remember joy or and or experience joy in the future. That means nothing to that relationship or that experience that you've had. Yeah, you don't need to be guilty for that, right? That's right. You can move on and have more relationships and experience more joy, and it doesn't take away from the past. Great advice. I often say to people, the people that you've lost want you to go on. They don't want your life to be over now that they're not here. They want you to be able to experience joy in the future. So open yourself to that. Uh, great stuff. Hey, Kim, can I ask you to hang on? I don't know what you got. If you've got things to do today and you need to run, that's absolutely fine. But I got, there's a bunch more questions on the text line I can get to if you want to do it. Yeah, I love talking to you. Let's go. Excellent. Okay. Uh, I'll put you back on hold or I'll, I'll try anyway and we'll see okay. what happens. Okay. Here's a heavy one from Janelle. My son's father passed suddenly on December 22nd of a heart attack. I've known this man for 30 plus years and I'm having a very difficult time. Anger and overwhelming sadness. I need help. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I imagine that this woman is in a state of shock still. Right. It sounds mm-hmm. like this was really sudden. Yeah. And I agree. Absolutely. Reach out. Uh, professionals are definitely a great option. And hopefully um, you have a support network where you've got friends, family members um, who you can turn to and and talk to. And, you know, when you're supporting someone who is, you know, in this type of situation, quite often people just want you to listen, you know. And so 
don't go in thinking, oh, geez, I don't know how to help or support. That's actually not really the thing that's important. It's just important that you're there and that you're showing that you care. And you can always ask, what does support look like? You know, do you need a hug? Do you not want a hug? Yeah. Do you want me to, you know, give my advice? Do you not want me to? What What's helpful? And and for Janelle, it, it sounds like just don't don't sit there and be alone with this. Ask no. for help, right? Get yeah, there's people that are there that can help. I mean, and everybody's journey is different. Some people actually do need some time and space to kind of process. But yeah, as soon as she feels ready, absolutely reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, here's another one. This is from Angela. Interesting one says, hi, we have a narcissist in the family, an in-law. Mm-hmm. Have you any mm-hmm. suggestions on how best to continue to keep family peace? COVID-19 restrictions are causing problems as we're on opposite ends of what we believe to be true. I imagine mm-hmm. a lot of families are in that situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, more so now than ever, no question. <laughs> no doubt. You know, I think the first thing you need to do often in these situations is release the idea that peace can be kept. Okay. Give yourself permission to have things get messy a little bit, you know, because you're dealing with these impossible situations. And at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter if it's COVID or something else. When we've got strong personalities in our families, we're not always going to agree. The question is, what do you want to do about it? How do you want to show up? And like earlier, I talked about your intention. I've got people in my family like that too. And I really just have to tell myself, number one, do I need to set a boundary? Like, do I want to be around this person? And number two, if I choose to at Christmas time or New Year's or whatever, then I need to go in with my intention and I want to show up authentically. But at the same time, if I don't want to start a fight, I'm just going to mostly not take their comments personally. Yeah. You know, and just not let it impact me because we have control over whether or not people impact us. So first choice is whether or not you even want to get involved with this Mm -hmm. person in a physical capacity. And then second of all, whether or not you want to give them access to the way you're feeling. You can just choose not to engage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two strategies there. Okay. Uh, Let's go to Grant. I can get Grant on the air here. Grant, uh, you got a question for Kim? Yeah, I do. How you doing, guys? Good, good. Go ahead. Stay warm. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm just dealing with some issues. Uh, I do have a new little French and stuff. I almost lost him uh, the other week. There. Well, that's the French bulldog you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, my little guy yeah. Wubby, and I almost lost him. And and it's almost like I'm still almost going through because I lost my other French bulldog the same way on the same type of night. And it was windy and blowing snow just like the other night. And it was in within a couple of days four years ago. It was just mm. like crazy. It was so. It was, it was just so close to the last time that happened to me. I literally walked in with them into the into the animal hospital, and I said, "You got to put me in a room because I'm just going to start bawling my eyes." And they put me in a room and all just mm-hmm. you know the let go. But he he's okay. He just had a bad gastro infection, really bad. But uh, they said if I wouldn't have gotten him in, it would have been it would have been pretty tough mm-hmm. to save him. So I'm just. I'm just dealing with that and just thinking about those past things. But, yeah, even going to sleep at night, it's like, I'm like, I feel like I'm starting to be overprotective of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, it's, it's just kind of weird. I just want to, yeah. I want to feel secure about my relationship with them, you know, and just, yeah. just so he doesn't feel like I'm freaking out all the time. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. Well, and this can happen with any relationship, just not just, you know, pets that we're responsible for. It can be any relationship. Sure. So I appreciate you calling about this. And the the really important key here is what are you telling yourself about the situation? Because my feeling is you're saying to yourself, I almost lost him. I need to be more vigilant. Yeah, you, yeah it's the day, I'm feeling like I'm going to lose him for sure. Like, like I said, am I going to lose this guy too? You know? Well, and, and to be really frank with you, the truth is you will. Some point, yeah, exactly. right? They don't stay forever, unfortunately. And yeah. the question is then, what do you want the time you have with him to look like? And do you want it to be you being constantly worried and dressed rehearsing the tragedy? Or do you want yeah. to make these good memories? And it really comes down to what you're telling yourself. And it absolutely is triggered by your past loss. But what you can say is, like, just flip that thought around, which is, I saved him. He's fine. Everything's okay. And you may need to write down these statements to yourself and look at them once in a while and just say, he's okay. Everything's fine. We're going to have a great life together with the time we have. That makes sense, Grant? That totally makes sense. And always remember, you guys, wash your hands and drying your hands is as important as washing them. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Grant. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Great stuff there, Kim. I think that's uh, helped out a bunch of people. Um, And Mm. I I think, like you say, it's just sort of, it's all the mindset that you take into it, right? It's hard. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but... Not easy, no. But you're 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 responsible for the way you feel and the way you react to all mm-hmm. this all this stuff. And it's tough though. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it takes work, but yeah. that's okay. It's totally worth it. Kim, great stuff today. Thank you so much for all your time. I really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.